Want to stream cognitive dissonance to your Android or iPhone? Buy the app. Go to dissonancepod.com and click on the link on the right-hand side of the page. Each purchase helps support the show. They, they had no idea why people got sick and died. I mean, unless, unless you saw someone stabbed with a spear, you had no idea why they died. And in moral terms, with, with a few notable exceptions, most of these people were no wiser than, than your average Afghan warlord today. They had absolutely, the most had absolutely no notion that slavery was problematic, that, that it was, there was something morally unsavory about owning people and treating them like farm equipment. Jesus and his apostles couldn't see that slavery was worth condemning. In closing, I just want to suggest to you that just as we don't have Christian physics, though the Christians invented physics, and we don't have Muslim algebra, though the Muslims invented algebra, we at some point will not have Christian and Muslim morality. Okay, the, the truth has to float free of these uh, uh, provincial ideas. What, what remains for us to discover are all the facts that relate to genuine questions of human well-being. And, and the goal clearly is to build a global civilization based on shared values. Now it seems to me the only tool we need to do that is honest and open inquiry. And if faith is ever right about anything in this space, it's just right by accident. Be advised that this show is not for children, the faint of heart, or the easily offended. The explicit tag is there for a reason. is Cognitive Dissonance. Every episode we blast anyone who gets in our way. We bring critical thinking, skepticism, and irreverence to any topic that makes the news, makes it big, or makes us mad. It's skeptical, it's political, and there is no welcome, Matt. This is episode 58 of Cognitive Dissonance. And uh, see, so I'm excited for this episode. we got some new stuff we're kind of rolling out. And, uh, you know, if you guys keep listening, if you've made it past the intro. <laughs> they, you know, they, they have to have a lot of fucking fortitude to make it past the intro. It's true. You know, yeah. let's be honest. I have to have a lot of fortitude to make it past the intro. <laughs> so um, we've got some great stories to talk about. We'll just go ahead and dive right in. This first story is awful. Fucking incredibly awful. This is from India Today. Kashmiri acid attack victim let down by law. No shit she was let down oh by gosh. the law. Um, this is a story that is uh, very upsetting. Uh, a, a, a Kashmiri woman was uh, basically uh, had an acid thrown in her face um, by a local imam. Right. Um, so that's good. Yeah. That's definitely what you want. You want your religious leaders to chuck acid in the faces of women. That's definitely a good way to structure your society and uh the law pretty much said go pound sand yeah they, they said that, so they she came in and she gave a statement so they threw arrested on they, they threw acid on her they were arrested then uh they ca- they were kept in the police station for a single night 
Then uh, they were released, and they were supposed to basically go to trial and have some sort of statement, but basically they were exonerated, completely exonerated of the crime. So this woman, who now has one working eye because of the attack, um, who has one normal side of her face because of the attack, uh, basically doesn't get any justice whatsoever, and the person who threw the acid in her face, because because let's be honest, when you're a man in that society, you get to basically do whatever the fuck you want to the lower species, and the lower species is women. Right, absolutely. That's how they're, that, that's, that's the way it's treated. You know, if you read the story, she doesn't even get to know what happened. Right. Like, she, she's kept completely in the dark. She was, she was called in once to record a statement, and that's it. That's right. the extent. right. That's that's the whole of her involvement. She doesn't even know what happened in court. Yeah, like there's there's clearly no transparency and no um, no one fighting for this woman. You know where where are the the groups? Where are the advocates fighting for this woman to get some kind of justice? I mean, this is a religious leader who threatened her because yeah. well, she had a beauty parlor. Yeah. So I mean, wow, the fucking nerve, right? Yeah, the audacity. Yeah, and. Uh, it threatened her, and she was like, yeah, whatever. He's not going to do anything. And then he did. He threw fucking acid in her face, which I guess is a thing. Like, that is. the acid attack is, yep. it's kind of a horrifyingly symbolic and vicious attack. And, and, and unfortunately, it seems to be kind of a thing in these countries. I shouldn't say these countries. India is not one of these. I like, that's a shitty thing to say. Yeah. It, it seems to be a uh, a horrifyingly common thing in some Muslim uh, cultures, and this is this is a problem with a lot of the crimes that happen in in Muslim nations. You have crimes against women really just aren't even paid attention to. They're just like, well, sorry, you know, you could kill a dog in our country. You could go outside. I could go out inside and shoot a dog in the face, <laughs> right? Right now, I could walk down the street, and be like, hey, nice dog, boom, shoot the dog in the face. I would not get life in prison for it. Wouldn't no. happen. I would get I would get I would go to jail. I would probably have to pay the person some sort of punitive damages for killing their dog. You know, there would be some things that would happen. There would be something that would happen to me that would be bad. I would have to spend some jail time, probably get a fine and probably have to pay punitive damages. But Tom, I would be walking outside. I probably could get outside that day with bail. I could probably walk outside my house with bail. Um, Maybe not shooting in Chicago, but let's say I killed someone's dog. I would be able to get out. I think it's it, this almost feels like it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean this guy got got arrested, he got released in in a day? Yeah. He got to overnight in yeah. in in prison. Oh man, I got to spend It almost feels like a boys club. Allahu akbar. Allahu akbar. I mean that, that's a, that's a great lead to the uh, to the next story. This is from Sunday's Zaman. Today's Zaman.com. Um, victim of domestic violence fails to find a lawyer. Um, this is this this story is upsetting in every way that a thing can be kind of upsetting. This is this is a woman who um, was forced by her husband to jump off a balcony, and lawyers refused to take her domestic violence case. What I don't understand here, they're talking about a lot in this story, Tom. They're talking about this as they go through that she's getting uh, – trying to get people to take this case and she's using uh, some sort of organizations that help people get lawyers when they don't have the money for it. 
And what I wonder to myself is why do I have to hire a prosecuting attorney again? Why? Because right. you don't have to hire a prosecuting attorney in the United States. You just walk in and be like, that guy fucking threw me off a balcony. Well, the state's going to take that one pro bono, it turns right? out. <laughs> you know, that's a good point. Like, she doesn't need an attorney to defend her. You know, that's not what's happening here. She needs an attorney to go after this guy. Well, right. I mean, isn't that what the police do? I mean, like here, like you say, like if, if you have if you can if you have cause and you can show the police, I got fucking chucked off a balcony. I mean, clearly the event occurred, right? Yeah. And then you know, I think it, it was fucking it was this guy, and then they find out it was this guy, and then they arrest that guy, and they will prosecute him. You don't have to worry your pretty little head about that right. shit, right? Like it, it's not they, they don't come hat in hand. Oh, you know, we'd like to prosecute. You know these various criminals within our community, but uh, I need a little money first. Like we've kind of got a system for that. When you the know, system is, geez, we hope the victim has an attorney. What I, I wonder if this story just isn't full. I wonder if this basically they maybe maybe that they tried to prosecute the guy and he didn't. He he proved some way. I don't know how you prove like she jumped off the balcony and I didn't do anything. But maybe we're not getting the whole story here. He in some way got off of the thing and now she's trying to sue him for damages. You know, maybe this is the second part of this, this is the civil part of that trial. Well, and it's 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 clearly like it's it makes it sound the article makes it sound very much like it's a pay for play justice system. Right. That's what I uh, th- I got out of it too, but maybe yeah. we're not getting the whole story. I don't know. And this woman, you know, this woman was uh trying to divorce her husband. Yeah. So she was she was forced to uh jump off the balcony after she asked her husband for a divorce right so is it the case that no attorney will take her case for the divorce like for the divorce it, 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 you know here in the states if you you can't hold somebody uh in a marriage against their will because of financial circumstances if my wife tomorrow said she wanted to divorce me and she can't afford the attorney and i can i have to pay her attorney so i have to pay my attorney to represent me in the divorce and I have to pay her attorney to represent her in her divorcing of me. Because otherwise, the financially powerful partner in a relationship can basically own. You can, you can just say, I own this woman. She can't afford to divorce me. And there's, there's clearly, you know, while it sounds crazy to pay for somebody's attorney so they can divorce you, so they can represent somebody in an action against you. It's it's clearly a recognition that there's a, a, a strong difference in the power structure financially and socially between parties in a relationship. If if it's the case that nobody will represent her in a divorce, like nobody. I was asked uh, why someone of my um, natural uh, tenderness and pudeur <laughs> and fair-mindedness would. And by the way, one mustn't confuse fair-mindedness with objectivity. You, you know how people often do that in this culture. People say even they think even-handedness is objectivity, or fairness is objectivity, or uh, putting both sides. And there's not objectivity is the search for truth, even if it leads you to unwelcome conclusions. Uh, it's nothing at all to do with impartiality. But none of these things apply in the case of Mother Teresa because it's a, a simple matter of record that she was a fanatic and a fundamentalist and a fraud. Um, <laughs> I think probably the most, the most successful confidence trickster of the last century um, and responsible for innumerable deaths 
and for un- untold suffering and misery. I'm proud of it. So this next story is from The Telegraph. Mother Teresa, miracle patient, accuses nuns. I love this story. Uh, for those who are not familiar with this story, um, one of the steps to, um, I think it's beatification, um, which is I, which is being made a saint. Is that right, Cecil? Beatification is before. That's when they beatify you. That's the level before sainthood. Canonization is the saint. I got you. So yeah. it's like the pregame. Yeah. I right. see. Yeah, okay. this is the pregame. Yeah. Well, the, one of the, I guess you have to like, you have to posthumously have two miracles attributed to you in order to be a saint. And one of Mother Teresa's miracles um, is the healing of this woman. This is Indian woman whose miracle cure from cancer um, was part of the beatification process that's under that's being undergone for Mother Teresa to make her a saint. Um, this story is ridiculous, and I think we may have talked about this before, because this woman, not only was she healed by Mother Teresa... But she also responded to the treatments, the cancer treatments that the doctors were also simultaneously performing. Right. Um, Right. And her husband basically says, like, it wasn't a miracle. It was just doctors doing their doctoring. I think that was in Hitchens' book, wasn't it? It was, yeah. It was in, like, God is Not Great. I think Hitchens talks about this. Because Hitchens was one of the people that was really against Mother Teresa being being beatified, was against her being— even just looked up at, to as a role model in some ways in the Catholic Church. He wrote a – didn't he write The Missionary Position? Is that what he, he wrote? Did. And this is – this woman, this woman that he's talking about, that they're talking about in this article was part of the things – part of the reason why he was against uh, using certain things as proof of miracle. And this is an example of one of the things the woman didn't even – you know, technically didn't even get better. She got better from all the treatment and things she was receiving, not from a fucking little medal in her hand. And but they still applied it to Mother Teresa. But now and it seems like and I'm not going to say that this is the case, but it seems like somebody was saying, hey, if you say this, we'll do some good things for you. Right. And now it seems like the the the, the sisterhood, the the nuns that are of the order of Mother Teresa, I think it's something of charity. I forget what it's called. The Ministry of Charity or something like that. Um, that group uh, is now saying, well, we're not really going to take care of you so much. It, that's exactly. It sounds like they they bought this woman and, re, and then afterwards reneged on payment. Sure. Because the Catholic Church is hurting for money. Yeah, well. I mean, how much money do you even need to give this woman to elevate her lifestyle? You know, to give her a reasonable. I mean, it's only one person. You're a massive organization. Um, And she says in the article, they made a lot of promises to me and assured me of financial help for my livelihood and my children's education. After that, they forgot me. I am living in penury. My husband is sick. My children have stopped going to school as I have no money. I have to work in the fields to feed my husband and my five children. Unbelievable. Yeah. You would you would think that this woman would be celebrated as the living embodiment of a miracle. Like even if – regardless of the fact that I, I, I think it's very obviously not a fucking religious miracle that a woman getting treatment for cancer ended up getting better from the cancer. Right. But even if you believed this, if I had a religious worldview that said this woman is the living embodiment of a divine miracle, why would you not celebrate this woman? Why would you not have – why wouldn't you go through all possible measures to say, 
look at this. This is this is our interventionist God in action. Every day, waking up and breathing, we want to make sure that this person is well taken care of. Not just, I mean, I'm not even talking about like sending her a couple of bucks now and again. I'm talking about, holy shit, this is, this is fucking proof of the pudding, you know? Sure. Treat her like a fucking Hindu cow. Right. And what does it cost? You're, you're right, Tom. Earlier you said, what does it cost? You know, what does it cost? What it? There's commercials on TV. It only costs a dollar a day. You could take care of like fucking 10 kids. <laughs> Yeah, she's only got five. You're talking about 50 cents a day. How hard is this? It's, you know, it's like, it's the Vatican, right? Like, it's the fucking Vatican. It's like, oh, shall we sell another golden scepter? Yeah, (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. No, fuck the living embodiment (laughs) of divine miracle. I want another boy. Bring me another boy. (laughs) (laughs) What if the Ten Commandments were reinforced? Thou shalt not murder. What if that had been his daily dose of moral instruction and spiritual instruction? Now, who knows if, if things could have been different, but we've tried it the other way. This is my point of my column. We've tried it the liberals' way for 60 years now. What do we got? We have massacres in Aurora. 12 people shot dead while they're watching a movie in the at midnight. So, Cecil, this next story is from examiner.com, which is, I think, my most hated, most pop-up-tastic Website that I'll ever click on. This thing like shits out like four pop ups. Um, conservative radio host says liberals caused the Aurora shooting, <laughs> cites the Bible. Well, Brian Fisher, welcome back to Cognitive Business. Oh man, this guy is great. I love that liberals, you know, the people who are for gun control, the ones that are saying, you know, hey, you know, maybe we shouldn't have all these guns, blah, 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 blah. They're the ones, they're the ones, Tom, that have said, you know what? We want this shooting to happen. Let's fucking get this shooting on, man. Let's fucking rock this thing. <laughs> yeah, he, you know, this guy is so full of wrong. Like, everything he says, like, you're just like, well, that's just, you're just fucking mistaken. Um, he, he openly, he says, when students are taught they are no different from animals, they act like it. Well, animals don't commit mass murder. When Animals don't go on shooting rampages. <laughs> Right, right. I mean, it, we're not acting like animals, you know, in in this sort of bizarre separation of humans from other animals, like the the sort of nonsensical differentiation of the two. But even if you were to just somehow create that difference where no difference exists, and say humans are behaving like like really, which animal? Yeah. Tell me which animal like shoots seventy people. They're behaving like Animal Farm. I don't. Right. I, I don't know what they're behaving like. I can't. The thing is, is you 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 listen to this guy talk, and one of the things he talks about, one of the fucking points he tries to hammer home here, is that because we don't have uh, prayer in schools anymore, or the Ten Commandments on the wall in schools, that's why people are murdering other people. This guy, if he were confronted every day with those Ten Commandments on the wall, he wouldn't do this. Does that make any sense at all? No, no. It's it's not like a, it's not like he didn't know right from wrong. It's not like people commit mass murder because they're unaware that killing people is socially frowned upon, right? I mean, it, it's not like as if it, it, the, the idea that this guy is walking to the theater loaded with fucking guns and ammunition, and if he had suddenly just seen, oh hey, did you know thou shalt not kill? Yeah. Oh fuck, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, thou shalt not kill. Yeah, I don't know if you read that or not. No, I, did, I had no idea. Nobody mentioned this. Really? I can't kill? 
No, no. Turns out, fuck! Turns I just stole can't all that. these guns. <laughs> <laughs> he just like abandons his plans. Yeah. Like, well, fucking, I guess I'm going to Chick Fil A. Yeah. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take a break and give you all the information that you need to find us on Twitter, on Facebook, on Google Plus, to send us email and to give us voicemail. And we'll return in just a few moments to ruin the rest of the show. Want to contact Cognitive Dissonance? Visit them on Facebook. You can find the link at the website dissonancepod.com or type it in the Facebook search bar. Be sure to follow the guys on Twitter. Their handle is at dissonance underscore pod. The guys also post to Google Plus now too, so check them out there. And if you'd like to email them, you can do so at dissonance.podcast at gmail.com. You can also leave a comment on the blog at their webpage or give them a call at 740-74-DOUBT. That's 740-743-6828. Long distance rates apply. And to everyone who listens, shares, retweets, or rates the show, Cognitive Dissonance would like to cordially thank you for all of your fucking support. Uh, Jim Henson Company splits from Chick-fil-A over gay marriage rights. Take that, Chick-fil-A. You know, Cecil, you and I had a, a... pretty reasonably long conversation just prior to taping the show about about Chick-fil-A and about the responsibility and the role of government um, when it comes to issues of discrimination. Um, and I think this is exactly, you know, this sort of thing is exactly the, the, the role that society should play in determining who gets to play um, within who you want to be a part of your culture. Um, in this case, uh, the Muppets basically were like, well, fuck it. You know, I this I don't want to do business with you anymore. Yeah. Um, they voted with their dollar. Yeah. They voted and said, hey, you know, we're not going to align ourselves with this other company and uh, we're backing the fuck off. Yeah. Well, they you know, Jim Henson Company basically said, look, you know, we're not going to endorse you by giving your giving our toys away in your little bigot meal, whatever they call it. I don't know what they call it. <laughs> bigot but, meal? Uh, but they're not willing to give the toys away in that thing. So they, they say, we're going to split with your company. Now, recently Chick-fil-A came out and said in a couple places, I don't know exactly where it happened, but a couple places said that that uh, that Chick-fil-A uh, actually stopped doing business with them because some of their toys were dangerous. That's why they right. stopped doing business with them. But a bunch of people say, you know, they're calling bullshit. They're saying, no, they're, they stopped doing business with you. And you know your corporation fucked up when the fucking Muppets hate you. When the Muppets <laughs> hate you, you know, these are— Waka, look, waka, Really, waka. really. When the Muppets hate you, you fucking suck. You have failed at life when the Muppets won't even fucking come stand next to you and sing a fucking song with you. There was a letter that's been circulating um, on the Internet, um, and this letter is from the uh, mayor of Boston. Um, and the mayor of Boston basically wrote a letter that said, hey, look, when, you know— Massachusetts was was the first or one of the first states to legalize gay marriage. And when that happened, I stood on the courtroom steps and welcomed people in. You know, Boston is not about bigotry and you're not fucking welcome here. And Rahm Emanuel, the mayor of Chicago, has expressed similar sentiments. Um, And Cecil, it's an interesting question. You know, what is the role of government when it comes to um, regulating which businesses and the ethics of the businesses that um, are going to uh, be part of their community. Yeah, we talked about this earlier, and I, I, I err on the side of uh, as long as they're not 
breaking any laws, I would say let them go wherever they want. People will vote for their dollar. I don't think if you opened a Chick-fil-A in Chicago, part of me thinks that what would happen is is there would be people every week standing outside that Chick-fil-A to tell people, hey, this is an organization that supports – uh, they're supporting traditional marriage. They support um, discrimination against gays, and we should, you know, you shouldn't shop here. You shouldn't eat here. Uh, there would be, I think that that sort of reaction would be would would be the norm in Chicago. I don't, because Chicago is a very diverse community. We have a huge homosexual population in Chicago, uh, and it's and it, they're not going to just stand by and be like, oh, well, that's fine. You could open up that organization that funnels a shit ton of money to me not getting married. They're not going to let that stand. And so I think people vote – people try to should try to convince others to vote with their dollar. I don't think that you as an alderman sitting over your little fucking fiefdom in Chicago get to decide whether or not a company gets to open if they're not breaking any laws. If they're not breaking any zoning laws, they're not breaking any laws uh, based on discrimination. Like if, they're, like if Chick-fil-A wasn't hiring gays, now we have a problem. But – if they're just not, you know, if they're if they're just trying to open up a, a restaurant, I don't feel like the government should be stepping in and saying, "You can't get your fucking licensing." The way to approach this um, is to say, "Well, you know, this opens up to me." My my first feeling is, "Well, what this should open up for any municipality, any state, um, any community is, you know, if we are going to set community standards, and it is reasonable for a community to set." Um, certain standards, then we need to have standards that don't um, respond to a single individual or a single individual corporation. But we need to say, okay, you know, Chicago is a city in which it is illegal to discriminate based on sexual orientation. Um, right now, in most states and federally, it is legal to discriminate based on sexual orientation. Sexual orientation is not a protected class. So it's perfectly legal to discriminate based on sexual orientation. Now, Chick-fil-A has said publicly they're not doing that. You know, they're not, they're, they, they, they serve homosexuals, they hire homosexuals. So they've said in public statements that they are, you know, non-discriminatory. But, you know, if Chicago wants to make a stand, if Chicago wants to draw a line in the sand, it seems to me the way to do that isn't to say, Chick-fil-A, you're not welcome here. Um, I think like I think you're right. I think the market will say that to Chick-fil-A. I think people's dollars and buy purchasing habits will demonstrate to Chick-fil-A that this is not a community where they're going to be financially successful. Um, but I think it is reasonable for the city to say, hey, you know, let's pass a law that yeah. says we don't allow the discrimination based on sexual orientation. Right. And, and now you've now you've accomplished your goal. Yeah. Now you've you've made a law that you can enforce from here on out. And and the other thing too that I don't I don't think is out of character or out of line for either one of these mayors to say to Chick-fil-A in an open letter, I don't agree with your policies. This is a diverse Chicago is a diverse or Boston is a diverse uh, city and we respect all the people who live here and we respect their beliefs and their 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 religious beliefs, their personal beliefs, their sexual preference. We respect their gender, whatever you want to say in that letter and then say, we don't think that your company would have a good match here. We don't – I certainly don't endorse your company coming here. I don't think that that's a bad thing. You can say that all you want. 
just don't use you know your power to legally stop them from coming here because I think that's out of line. I think that's an abuse of power, and I think that's something that we because I certainly wouldn't you know you go to some bigot town, some crazy town somewhere, probably in the south, where they would you know stop a company from coming there because they're you know they they have. Uh, they have some sort of connection to the homosexual community, we would be outraged. We would be, you know, pitchforks in hand, torches, like marching down there to stop them from from uh, from discriminating against this this company. So we can't you can't on the same breath say, well, that's fine, but we don't want Chick-fil-A to come here. And, and for people who think, you know, well, what's the big deal about Chick-fil-A? I'm going to read from this article, this examiner.com article real quick. It says a recent interview with the Baptist Press and Chick-fil-A president uh, Dan Cathy told exact feelings um, about gay rights. And I'm paraphrasing, but it, that's basically what he says. He says – this is what he says. Support for gay marriage is inviting God's judgment in our nation, on our nation. Cathy added, I pray God's mercy on our generation – that has had such a prideful, arrogant attitude to think that we have the audacity to define what marriage is about. We, we define marriage. We got to define it. So, right. uh, so the idea that we have the audacity to define marriage, what is, what's next? Are we going to be like, you know, you, you humans had the audacity to define uh, uh, that a triangle has fucking 180 degrees and three angles, you know, fucking God says, <laughs> God says it has to have 120. Like if God's wrong, then, you know, we got to fucking point that shit out. But again, I feel like, you know, we are the ones who wrote the law on marriage. Like the, the God didn't come down and write the United States laws. You know what I mean? Like God didn't come down with his like fucking, you know, his fucking traveling salesman briefcase and his fucking dapper little hat and sit down and pull out his big quill and write down all the laws of the United States. The United States fucking wrote their own laws. So we've defined what marriage is already without God being involved in it. Now, they might have referenced something in the Bible or whatever, but we get a chance to now change that since we fucking wrote it down. If you're involved in the gay and lesbian lifestyle, it's bondage. It is personal bondage, personal despair, and personal enslavement. And that's why this is so dangerous. It's a very sad life. It's part of Satan, I think, to say that this is gay. It's anything but gay. So this story is from 1011now.com. So catchy. Um, 500 attend vigil for LGBT member attacked in Lincoln home. This is a story out of Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, a, uh, a woman in, in Lincoln, Nebraska had her, basically was the victim of a, uh, a home invasion, uh, where men broke into her home. Uh, this is a lesbian woman. They tied her up, they beat her and they carved, um, hate yeah. <laughs> into her skin. They, they carved, uh, I want to call them racial slurs, but they called uh, they, they carved slurs uh, referencing her sexual preference um, into her fucking skin. Um, way to go, Lincoln, Nebraska. This is the sort of thing that people want to people want to say, well, you know, it's my preference to believe in traditional marriage. Well, it's my preference to uh, to think that gays are immoral. Well, when you start to uh, to isolate a group of people and start to think of them as less than. This is the sort of thing that happens. Uh, you have dipshits who will take this way too fucking seriously. And they will think, well, if God says they're immoral, then I can do whatever I want to them because God doesn't like them. So 
uh, so I can go over and carve shit in their skin and be, I mean, do something that is, you know, literally defined as demonic. You know what I mean? Like if you were trying to think of something that would be demonic to do to somebody else, carving shit in their skin is pretty fucking high on the list. That's, you know, that's right up there with cutting out their heart like a fucking Indiana Jones movie. You know what I mean? Num num shabai, num num shabai. <laughs> right? It's very close to the top here. So carving shit in someone's skin, a permanent scar on their skin uh, to indicate sort of, you know, you're red letter A-ing them on their fucking skin. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you get away with that shit because you think that they are an immoral person. You think that they are less than your morality. So now you've got a you've got a get out of jail free card, so to speak, to go fuck them up and do some horrible shit. And this is this opens the door to that. Yeah, I mean, you know these these idiots uh, prop that door open constantly by reinforcing these kinds of messages um, in their churches and you know at the uh, at the political uh, soapbox. Um, you know, the vilification of the other leads to a tremendous amount of abuse. Um, that's not a surprise to anybody. That's that's a historical uh, fact. That's that's part of human nature. That's that's how you decide which groups have to go. Right. You know, when you're the group in power, um, the vilification of the other is is how you establish and maintain dominance and control. So that's not. I mean, and that's that's cross cultural and and you know cross time. That's that's the first step, right? That's the first step in um, uh, the amelioration of the ethical problems of violence. You know, you can only uh, justify this sort of nonsense if the other is some, like you said, is subhuman, right. less, is than, less than, less than. Um, and it, you know, it's problematic when companies like Chick Fil A. Um, which are big companies, which and big companies have a soapbox. You know, let's right, not pretend right. that they don't. When churches and politicians and you know these these fucking fools, these fools, they stand up on their soapbox and they try to pretend that this issue is an issue of religious freedom, and it's not a religious uh, an issue of religious freedom. This is an issue of discrimination, and this is an issue of are we okay as a nation deciding that this is a group we want to discriminate against. And and if it is, here's how we will justify it. But I think it's a post hoc justification. Well, and then this other story, too. There's a story, Tom, from uh, SheWired.com that fits into this. This is another beating. This is a beating that took place. This 16-year-old girl was brutally beaten by a group of men. Uh, she was with two uh, young boys, uh, 13 and 15, that weren't able to protect her. She got fucking fucked up. I'm going to read directly from this article. It says the girl's jaw was broken in several places where she needed she'll need a plate to put in her jaw. And she had several teeth knocked out. Um, and one of the boys suffered a concussion trying to help her. And I want to I want to just mention here, you know, people say gays are immoral. You know, they say it all the time. Gays are immoral. Gays are immoral. Being gay is immoral. Let me pose two scenarios. Say a guy that is straight Uh from, you know, anywhere in the United States, let's pick, you know, the most homophobic uh, portion of the nation. And let's say this person is homophobic and they walk in a, in, a, in a nightclub that's a gay nightclub and people know they're straight, that he's straight there and he doesn't pull any homophobic shit. Chances are he's going to walk out of there just fine. He'll have a drink. Oh, yeah. No problem. You know, some guy may come up and hit on him or whatever, as long as he doesn't freak out, you know, gay panic defense and stab him in the face or whatever. God. He's fine. He's fine. He's going to walk in, walk out, no problem. Or she's going to walk in, walk out, no problem. Switch the fucking scenarios around. 
a known gay guy walks into a bar, straight bar somewhere in the United States that is fucking that has a bunch of homophobic guys in it. Chances are he's going to be fucking uh, Matthew Shepherded. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. going to be, you know, the chances of him not walking out or getting fucked up are really fucking high. Who's the immoral one? Why are we somehow how can we somehow look at those two scenarios and be like, well, obviously the gays are immoral. Yeah, I, I, it's an indefensible position, right? And it's a position that I think has, you know, it's it's justified by people's religious beliefs. But it's I think it's a reactionary position to the um, the disgust and hatred that some people feel um, probably many times as a result of the, uh, you know, the conflicts they, they experience themselves. Because, you know, we've seen how many times, how many times the, the virulently anti-gay um, evangelists turn out to be a little on the gay right, side. Right, You know, that th- this, this aggressive reaction to the existence of homosexuals. Um, and, you know, we even had a... a, a uh, a listener write in, and now I'm not suggesting the listeners anywhere near, right, right, any, at all, even comparable, you know. But we had a listener write in recently who said, you know, I'm I'm all for gay marriage, you know, I'm for for uh, homosexual equality. He's like, but I do find, you know, imagining the act of homosexual sex unsettling. Um, but I think it's interesting because we only imagine homosexuals having sex. Like I don't look at every heterosexual person. And say, like, the first thing I think when I know that somebody's heterosexual is I don't imagine them having sex with their partner. There's this reaction to the fact of their sexuality, which is so um, uh, visceral for some people that it justifies that visceral reaction somehow in their mind seems to justify this aggressive, hate-filled reaction. Um, And then that, that hate is justified and rationalized by your church and by politicians and by, you know, uh, leaders of major corporations. And and what happens? Grown men beat up a 13 or 14 year, 16 year old girl, yeah. knock her fucking teeth out. Broken jaw is not a fucking fun thing either. That's not like fucking like, oh, man, I can't wait till the summer when they break my jaw. You know, like that's not a fun thing to look forward to. That doesn't sound like a fun time. As a fat guy who likes to eat Twinkies, let me tell you that I would not enjoy having my fucking jaw wired shut. In the name of Jesus, we speak that. So this next story is from The Guardian. The Guardian, U.S. evangelical Christians accused of promoting homophobia in Africa. Why do the Christians treat Africa like a blank slate that they just get to show up and fucking write on? Like, have a little... The, the thing that immediately occurs to me is have a little fucking respect for the religious and cultural traditions of that continent. Yeah. How incredibly arrogant to show up and be a missionary anywhere. I I can't even imagine the level of personal, unbelievable arrogance to be a missionary. Think about it this way. It's just like sending business overseas, right? It's a cheap venture that yields a lot of a lot of uh, believers, a lot of followers. Uh, What do you have to spend over there to get a ton of people to follow you? 
What do you have to do? Like, how do you, how much aid do you have to give people in order for them to think of you as somebody who is helping them and therefore through, through the extension thinking God is helping them? It's a low cost investment for a big return. And how yeah. great is it for you to show uh, through this, you know, through your website or whatever, through TV shows, whatever that you have available to you to show full stadiums of people that are all worshiping the same thing. How easy is it for you then to come back here and one, show all the good that you're doing and then also show people, well, look all over the world. These people have less than you and they believe. So it's really just a great way, I think, to drum up more money here in the States. Oh, my God. That's probably right. But it's so incredibly cynical. Like I can't. (laughs) There's no way I out cynical you. There's no fucking way that happened, Tom. You know, it. It, I have to. I, can I relate a personal story? I'm relating a personal. All right, personal story, story time. Take this. All right, world. I'm going to play the personal story music. Just this week, I, I live in a reasonably diverse community, um, and uh, not crazily diverse, but a reasonably diverse community. You know, across the street, there's a Muslim family uh, from me. There's Catholics. There's an atheist a block over. You know, so I have a reasonably diverse community. Um, the other day I'm on the phone. It's my son is, is in the house. It's myself, my son. I'm on the phone upstairs in the, in my home office and, uh, my doorbell rings and my kid goes to answer the door, which I don't like anyway, but fine. He goes to answer the door. I think it's probably one of his friends, you know, coming over to see if he can play. He comes running upstairs, excited, beaming, grinning ear to ear. I got invited to a party. And what does he hand me? He hands me an invitation to an evangelical party sponsored by the Child Evangelism Fellowship, um, which is a local organization um, that evidently holds parties, like local families that are evangelical fucking lunatics hold parties to try to proselytize to children. And they do this under the guise of inviting kids to parties because five-year-old kids like to go to parties. And rather than waiting for me, the parent, to come down and say hello and then for them to try to, you know, hand me the invitation and to discuss whether or not my kid gets to go or not go, because that's what you would do for any other party, right? Any any other party that you invite a kid to, a five-year-old kid, you don't invite the kid, you invite the parents. Kids can't even drive yet. <laughs> like, they can't decide. They're not going to look at their fucking social calendar. Oh, yeah, I'm free on the third. Yeah, I mean, fucking... That's a ridiculous thing to do. And so nobody does it. Adults don't invite kids to parties. But but it's this idea. It's this it's this favored notion. It's this sense of uh, presumptuous righteousness that people who are evangelical have that, well, you know, I don't have to follow any other social norms. They all get thrown out the fucking window as long as I can evangelize to someone. I don't have to say, well, in every other circumstance, I would respect the wishes and the uh, responsibilities of a family's rules and traditions, just like in this scenario. While in every other case, it would be totally unreasonable for me to throw out your cultural, your your beliefs, your uh, great heritage as a people. If I think I've got some kind of religious righteousness on my side, I will piss on that as soon as look at you. In order to try to uh, get you over to my side, to win you over to my religious side. 
and it is as wrong as a thing can be. So, Tom, I made a little something, and we're going to talk about it afterwards, but I want to play it uh, for the listeners here. Uh, it's a tiny little bit that I did, uh, and then we're going we're gonna to discuss a very important venture for our podcast. The year 2012. Some say the last year ever. You could accept the fact that this city is headed for a disaster of biblical proportion. What do you mean, biblical? What he means is Old Testament, Mr. Mayor. Real wrath of God type stuff. Fire and brimstone coming down from the skies. Rivers and seas boiling. Forty years of darkness, earthquakes, volcanoes. The dead rising from the grave. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. Mass hysteria. It is this certain future catastrophe that we here at Cognitive Dissonance want to prepare for. And so we give you your Cognitive Dissonance First Annual Charity Drive to prepare for the inevitable Armageddon, hereafter known as the Apocalypse Without Borders. From now until December 22nd, 2012, we will hold a charity drive and count on the goodwill of all our listeners to give money to the noble and secular cause of Doctors Without Borders. You ever looked at the heavens? Everything in the heavens is here? Moving as the heavens move. The great conjunction is the end of the world. Giving is easy. Simply go to the Cognitive Dissonance website, dissonancepod.com. On the left side of the page is a button. Click it and donate to your heart's content. Doctors Without Borders provides emergency medical care to millions of people caught in crises each year in more than 60 countries around the world. This will certainly be a busy year for them. Help contribute before it's too late. (laughs) Wait, what am I laughing for? So we got this, (laughs) we got this plan, Tom, that we thought up uh, called Apocalypse Without Borders. December 21st, 2012, uh, we all end. It's just, it's over. Um, and uh, I suspect strongly that the doctors are going to need some money. So we're going to try to raise some of that money. Um, we're calling on the listeners to, to donate. Um, donate to the show. You can go on our website and you could donate to the show. Um, all of that money, 100% yes. of that money, will go to Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, and that's that's exciting for us. We'd like to try to make sure that we, we put together a nice-sized donation for them. And to give you some incentive, we have three different incentives. The first incentive is between now and the 1st of October, uh, if our listeners donate $100 or more between now and the 1st of October, Tom and I are going to donate $100 between the two of us. So there's a $100 increment. So if you guys get up to $100 in that first 10 weeks, uh, we're going to donate $100. Then... Uh, between uh, October 1st and the end of the end of the donation drive, if another $100 is reached, Tom and I will donate another $100. So a total of $200 we will match uh, based on, uh, on giving to, the, to, this, to this cause. And the second, or really the third uh, incentive is for the, the highest donor, the person who donates the most, above $30. So somebody who donates above $30, the most is going to get a free t-shirt. We're going to send a free, very thin, cheaply made t-shirt to you. And that's about the cost of the actual t-shirt. So if you were thinking about buying a cognitive dissonance shirt, you can automatically put yourself in the pot just by donating. And in that case, you might still get the shirt, but you'll certainly get a tax write-off 
and you will have given money to Doctors Without Borders. Yeah, and it's a secular charity, and they do a lot of great work, and we're, we're happy to help. Uh, help them any way we can. What what I would say to the listeners, and this will be the last thing, is what I would say is if you enjoy the show, if you, every week you download the show and you enjoy it, if you tell your friends about it, we appreciate that and we love to get email from you. But if you enjoy the show enough, uh, maybe you'll donate $1 a week between now and, and when this ends. And that's 21 total dollars between now and and the end of this, uh, get the end of this donation process, uh, this donation period. So you're talking about 21 weeks between now and then. Uh, if the show is worth a buck a week to you, uh, then please donate that money to uh, to the Doctors Without Borders page. All you have to do is go to our page and click on it. It's going to keep a running tally of how much money gets donated, too. So we'll be able to tell you at the very end of it how much money gets donated. And the other thing, too, is if you don't think the show's worth a dollar a week, you know, maybe it's worth 50 cents a week. Maybe it's worth a dollar a month. Whatever you can give, uh, we're happy if you give any amount of money between now and December 21st. So anything you can give would be would be great, and it's going to go to a great cause. So this next story is from Yahoo News. Eagle Scouts return medals over organizations' anti-gay stance. Um, I, I don't have a whole lot to say about this except for good. Yeah. Um, this is how uh, this is how members I think should respond is is publicly say, "Hey, I went through a lot of work. I'm an Eagle Scout, and uh, no thanks. You know, I am the I am the highest rank your organization recognizes." Um, and I'm just going to turn that back in. Becoming an Eagle Scout is not an easy thing. It's not a simple thing. Uh, no. There's a lot of people, a lot of famous people that have been, you know, famous, uh, especially going into the military and things like that. Those people, there's a lot of people that were Eagle Scouts. Um, it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to accomplish. Uh, and in order to uh, to get there, you have to put a lot of time and dedication. And one of the things that I know that Eagle Scout, uh, the Eagle Scouts have to do is they have to put in some time giving back to the community. And I can't think of a better way that, to give back to a culture you know, in the United States of, being, uh, of having that sort of diversity and that equality than giving back your Eagle Scout badge to say, you know what, I'm not interested. Yeah, good for yeah. you. That's a brave thing to it do. It is. It is. Who's that guy on the other side of the glory hole? It's Jesus. So this story comes from Friendly Atheist. This is the Friendly Atheist blog, uh, FriendlyAtheist.com. Catholic priest sexually abuses a woman during an exorcism. She got a twofer. Oh, no. She not only got the exorcism, which is a made-up ritual to get rid of fake demons, which don't fucking exist, but then she got sexually abused by a priest. Oh, yeah. As an adult. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's pretty rare, I think, for priests it's to do that. To do. Yeah, yeah. How many times did she she wound up getting uh it looks like she was she was sexually assaulted over a period of two years, um, several times. And at one point, I'm gonna read directly from this uh, friendly atheist article here, it says He kissed the corners of her mouth, stroked her legs, breasts and thighs, caressed her face laid his body on top of hers and frequently ex- explained full, passionate kish- kisses as blowing the Holy Spirit into her. Um, it turns out the Holy Spirit is pretty viscous. 
Uh, <laughs> you know, it's a pretty thick substance. The Holy Spirit is is definitely contained within your body fluids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's, uh, oh yeah. And I and I, and the reason why I know why is I always scream oh Jesus when the Holy Spirit comes out. <laughs> so I know that it is that the Holy Spirit is actually a transmitter of disease. <laughs> The Holy Spirit, you're like, ooh, that could have bloodborne pathogens in there. Yeah. So, <laughs> who knew you could get I'm, AIDS um, from the Holy Spirit? Yeah, I had no right. idea. I thought that was the gay plague. Um, that was the Holy yeah. Spirit is gay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I, uh, what I love about this, what I think is hilarious, is that um, basically the the end of this article, they're talking about how she's trying to go after this group, this, the, you know, the, the church that is involved in this. And they've sort of switched this person around to a couple different places. And they said, and, and I'm reading again, it says, well, even though he was physically in Virginia, he was really reporting back to the guys in Palm Springs. So it's their problem. So they're basically trying to sue somebody who works for the church is like trying to fucking redeem your airline miles when there's fucking blackout dates. Like, that's how hard it is. Like, yeah, you can't. No, sorry, they just weren't here. You know, like, it's like a fucking it's like being a telemarketer. And trying to be no, you know what? My wife's not here. No, she's a fucking in a biodome for for a year, so she's not going to be back. <laughs> biodome. Uh, yeah, I'd love yeah, to. Yeah, I'd love you. to. I'd love to give to the ballet, but I just you know she's the one who likes the ballet. I just go because it gets me laid. So I, I'll just tell her you called when she comes back from her missionary trip in four years. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> like it's the same thing trying to sue these people. It's ridiculous. Right. Well, it's like a full. It's it's like playing uh, the the the. Three card money, yeah. you know. It's like yeah, no pick a card, any yeah. card. It's like, well, I just want to find out who's responsible for this molestation. Pick a card, <laughs> any card. Where's the priest? Who's got the priest? Where's the priest? Find the priest. It's easier to what? find fucking Carmen Santiago than it is to find this fucking priest. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Well, they, as long as they play fucking Where's Waldo yeah, no with these kidding. sex offenders, yeah. it's going to be very difficult to prosecute. I'll tell them. you what. If you start dressing them in that red and white, kids will stay away from them. You know what I mean? Like, he, it's like it's. <laughs> Although this guy looks. A little molested. Oh, yeah. He looks a little like bad the- touchy. You want answers? I think I'm entitled. You want answers? I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. So, Cecil, this story is from CBC News. Three arrests made in spa therapy deaths. Um, this is a, a story about a woman who uh, died. Uh, she basically got uh, brazed yeah. um, at a uh, spa therapy treatment. Um, th- the name of the... Retreat, whatever it was, the name of the seminar where you get cooked is actually called, and I fucking shit you not, Dying in Consciousness. Truth in advertising. Yeah. It says here in this article, it says, uh, this person and eight other participants were covered in mud, wrapped in plastic and blankets, and spent nine hours lying with their heads in boxes while being encouraged to hyperventilate. And when they wrap them up and they stick them in there to cook them, they're not, she's not a fucking beef wellington. Okay, <laughs> she's a fucking human being for Christ's sakes. You can't do that to somebody. They say in the next paragraph, Tom Levine was eventually taken to the hospital unconscious by ambulance with a body temperature of forty point five degrees. That's Celsius. Now translate that in the Fahrenheit. That's a hundred and five degree temperature. A hundred and five degree temperature. You don't get after age one. Right. No kidding. No kidding. That's not good for you. No, you know, and the thing is, like, a lot of these nut jobs have these, like, hyperventilator or, or uh, hyperthermia, uh, you know, experiences. Well, 
you're fucking hallucinating. Right. You're not having yeah. a transcendent experience. You're you're experiencing fucking organ shutdown. Yeah. Well, dehydration, your experience, you know, like here's somebody who died because they believed that they could that that as a healthy person, and this is what gets me fucking crazy about this stuff, is this person was pretty healthy. This person was healthy enough to go to this thing and fucking sweat out all the fucking whatever the fuck they were lying to her about. But, you know, she's healthy enough to go there and do all this stuff. This is a healthy individual. And they were able to be duped into fucking basically murdering themselves. Think about what happens when you're sick and the cards like suddenly, uh, you know, the, the kitty's a little higher now. You know, the pot's a little bigger. My health, it's not just my, my future health that I'm gambling on. Now it's my current health, which I could die in a couple years. Think of how easy it is for quacks to be like able to manipulate you to get you to do some crazy shit, but also to give them a gross amount of money. Like in here, they talk about $18,000. $18,000 to be fucking coated in mud and saran wrapped. Yeah. I have to say as a business model. They're pretty easy, yeah. Right? I mean, what do you have to have? You have to have a little bit of cardboard, yeah. some saran wrap, and dirt. Well, you got to have a lawyer budget, it turns out, too. You did. Yeah, yeah, right. A you pretty know, you got to have somebody one. on retainer. You know, see, so I think you hit the nail on the head. You know, they, they, these people are um, they're being taken advantage of by uh, shysters, by, by cons, um, and, they're, and they're being fleeced. This shit isn't free. It's never free. No. You know, it's like, it's like the Beatle treatments in Argentina, right? Right. <clears throat> it's... People who are desperate for an experience, whether that experience is healing from a sickness or a spiritual transcendence, you're preying on people who are in need in some way. Right. They come to you in fucking need and you invent some nonsense, you shit it out at them. And then you charge the money of the gall to charge the money sure. for it. And somebody, you know, even if they're not, and in that article on, on Argentina that we were talking about last week, I thought some of them were saying that they were sharing the Beatles, that there was like a free sort of yeah, back right. and forth. The Beatle exchange. Let me tell you something. Eventually, somebody's going to capitalize and tell you that they're going to sell a better Beatle. You know, my Beetle right. has more fucking Beetlejuice in it or whatever. You know, then they're going to be able to capitalize on that because there's money to be made. And we got an email this week from somebody who was saying, you know, that our, our, in Argentina, we we're kind of mischaracterizing how Argentina is. One, people aren't leaving in droves, this person said, because they live there and, and they would know. But uh, but one of the things was is this person went back and forth with them. And one of the things that, that they said was they work in the medical profession and the people that come to them uh, always get the medical treatment first. And they've never experienced somebody who's gone to these beetles or gone to some sort of alternative therapy first. Uh, and there's a couple of reasons, I think, for that. The one is, what if they died? What if they went to that treatment and they're now dead and you never get to see them? What if they went to that treatment and they distrust doctors in general? Uh, there's a chance that people still do this. You just wouldn't encounter them if you're a medical professional. Um People might also be embarrassed about trying something that they were tricked on. Plenty of people that get conned are embarrassed because of this sort of thing. Um, but these sorts of things take root. They take root um, and people believe them because uh, imagine if you're 
caring for your dying, somebody who's dying, you know, near death with cancer, the, the treatments have failed. And at this point, they're, you know, ready to die. And they start doing this beetle thing. And the beetle thing has this placebo effect and they start feeling a little better. They still die. But now your brain puts together your head. You're watching them. You're caring for your, your nearly dead relative. And you say, well... You know, they got a little better when they drank that Beetlejuice. They got a little better based on that. Now, maybe the cancer was a little too advanced to protect them completely. But what if I started doing this when I was healthy? Or what if they would have started doing it earlier? Now, maybe there's sort of this foothold that starts to take place uh, because people start seeing um, – Based on anecdotal evidence, they start seeing some sort of improvement. Um, That's a dangerous thing to have happen. It's not a good thing to be tricked into doing some medical treatment that has no efficiency. Well, and if it if it is a a, a treatment that works, then great, let's test it. Yeah, like you know, there's no this idea that like there's alternative treatments and then there's you know Western medicine and that there's this. You know, Western medicine just means fucking shit that works, yeah. shit that's been proven to work. Nobody cares if it comes from beetles. You know, if if Pfizer found the cure for cancer in beetles, right. they'd be selling us beetles. We'd be fucking eating beetles. Nobody would care. Nobody cares that aspirin comes from willow tree bark, right? Nobody's like, oh, well, it's fucking – there's no – nobody cares. Does it work? Yes. Okay, great. Let's have it. That's that's how it works. All, all anybody is suggesting is – Let's test it. Yeah. If you say it works, great. Let's test it. If it works, then we'll continue it. We'll refine it. We'll try to do everything to make it uh, more controlled, uh, more efficacious, um, more uh, dosage consistent. And and then it will become a, a traditional Western therapy, right? It'll become a, a part of, of modern medicine. And if it doesn't work, then it's bugs. Then you're just eating bugs. So we got a couple voicemails, one from Matt and one from Jeff. We're going to play those for you now. Hey, guys. It's Godless Matt here. Uh, I'm not trying to become a regular feature on your show, I swear. Anyway, I just got done listening to just the intro. I haven't even gotten into the meat of the episode yet, but the piece that you guys played, um, obviously in relation to the Denver thing, before the intro was just fucking awesome. Um, I'm totally going to steal it. Uh, with credit and put it in the show the next time we report, which will be next week. Uh, I just want to make sure I'm crediting you guys or crediting whoever uh, I'm supposed to be crediting. But I think was I think was really really good. Uh, it reminded me of two things. Number one was a movie uh, called Natural Born Killers, uh, going back I don't know maybe ten years or so, uh, and then also a song from the band Tool called Vicarious. Uh, kind of about the same thing also. But in any case, uh, keep up the great work, and I'll do that soon. Bye. Hey, Tom and Cecil. This is Jeff from Southern California. Love the show, of course. Been listening to you ass fuckers since the beginning. I was recently in a group situation where I mentioned I'm a science enthusiast and that I take pride in being a critical thinker and skeptic. Later, a lady came up to me and complimented me for being a scientific thinker. She went on to tell me how she was recently getting into science and critical thinking and how she was nice to meet somebody with similar interests. After talking for a bit, she suddenly mentioned that she believes in God and she knows he exists because science has proved it. She talked about some scientist, I don't remember his name, who had discovered, as she put it, a space beyond time where God exists. I think she was referring to the concept of alternate dimensions. 
I'm not a confrontational person, and I don't have much experience defending skepticism, so all I could do is sit back and nod. I feel like I lost a few points for our team. I really want to get better at communicating my point of view to people like this, so I was wondering if you guys or other listeners had any suggestions on how I could handle the situation without getting into a big argument or offending her too much. Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work. Bye-bye. So, Tom, uh, I already addressed Matt's uh, question and uh, and talked to Matt a little bit about it, uh, his, his stuff on Twitter, but I do want to talk about Jeff's voicemail here really quick. Uh, Jeff was in a conversation with somebody and uh, they started bringing up like proof of God and through science and stuff. And they were wondering what kind of techniques we would use to try to talk to somebody about this sort of thing. I'm not really good at that sort of thing. So Tom, do you have any advice? Yeah, Most of the time, I don't think it's useful. I, I actually don't think that that conversation is usually productive. Um, if, if it's, if, if it is, however, somebody that you think is genuinely open-minded and trying to have a legitimate conversation, I don't think you need to have finely honed rhetorical skills in order to have that conversation. Um, I think people with finely honed rhetorical skills engaging in a vigorous debate um, are generally engaging in a vigorous debate with somebody else um, who has an entrenched viewpoint. And what you're really doing is debating at that point for an audience. So when somebody like Matt Dillahunty engages in a debate, and he does have finely honed rhetorical skills, he is not engaging in a debate with somebody who is likely to have their mind changed. What he's doing is engaging in a debate for the benefit of an audience. Um, I think when you're having a conversation with somebody under normal circumstances, um, you don't need to have, you don't need any special rhetorical tools to sit down and say, well, let me ask some questions. Um, and, and I also think it's important to just say, Hey, you don't have to make a point. Um, I never make a point, right? I mean, but, uh, just ask good questions, learn how to ask good questions. Um, and that will encourage a, a terrific conversation amongst, uh, people who uh, can have a conversation with respect. Yeah, absolutely. I think questioning people and questioning their beliefs, that's what, if you really watch the atheist experience with Dillahunty, I mean, that's really what he does. He's, his whole, his whole bit is when they call, he asks them really simple questions and you find how hard it is for people to justify their answers based on the, the questions he's asking. They almost always have to give some sort of, uh, some preamble or something to make sure that that they can get their point across but if you just if they just answered the really simple questions they would realize how kind of ridiculous their position is so that's a great point tom another thing i would point out too is that sometimes the battle isn't worth fighting uh, there's a lot of times I run into people and people I care about that will say some things that I totally don't don't agree with but i know that their position is so deep that there's no way i'm ever going to ever going to have a conversation with them that's really worthwhile. So I kind of just smile and nod a lot of times. Um, I'm not really good at that sort of thing. I'm not good at debate. I do talk about religion and I do talk about um, ideas about religion with a lot of people, but they're almost always open-minded or at least open-minded enough to respect my position as an atheist. So I don't ever really, uh, really have debates. I have discussions, which I think is a totally different feel because I'm not trying to convince anybody of my position. I'm just trying to say that my position is a valid one. So we got, uh, let's start going through some of these emails, Tom. We got the first email that we got, uh, that I want to talk about is, from uh, Colette, uh, 
who is still flustered at the amount of F-bombs I drop. And I was listening last week. Man, do I swear a lot. Holy shit. <laughs> I fucking swear a lot. Um, but, uh, but anyway, uh, Colette basically invites us to maybe do a, one of our shows on the road. Uh, it looks like Colette is trying to put together some sort of skeptical conference uh, nearby and wanted to see if maybe we'd be interested in doing one of our shows live. I will say right now that this is not a live show, nor will it. I think it would be. I think it would be very difficult to actually have a live show based on this. Um, so while we're flattered, I don't know that it's something that we could take you up on. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm incredibly flattered. I think it's a wonderful offer. And and Cecil and I talked about this, and we would be more than happy to attend. Um, and we would be more than happy to be a part of a panel discussion. Um, I think that would be great fun, and I think that we're both uh, incredibly flattered by the offer. But um, yeah, uh, this show on the road. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, and it really, you know, like we posted pictures of ourselves on the internet recently, uh, based on some listeners who wanted to know about the host. So there's a new about the host page at dissonancepod.com. If you haven't seen it, um, you can go to dissonancepod.com and check it out. But people, everybody was just like, "Wow, I am unimpressed with your looks." <laughs> I mean, nobody was like, "Man, we have a face yeah, for podcasts." Well, oh my gosh, do we ever? Yeah. Yeah, but people were nobody was like, man, you be hot. Like nobody was like that at all. Everybody was like, we got very few marriage proposals. Yeah, everybody was like, everybody was like, oh shit, that's not a. Like I thought they put shit like that in cages. Like I didn't think they actually let shit like that walk around. So yeah, we're not. You know, we're definitely not. Uh, not the type of people that people would gather to see, so to speak. <laughs> Unless of course we're in the freak show, then not they would get pitchforks yeah. and torches. Yeah, no, they, they, if we're in the freak show, biting heads off chickens, they'd show up all day. <laughs> we belong there. That's the only travel like yeah. we're gonna do is traveling yeah. carnival circus. <laughs> we got a we got a message about YouTube. This is from Pete. Pete said. Uh, Pete said that, you know, we should probably try to branch out and do some stuff on YouTube. And I will admit that I recently, a couple, I want to say maybe several months ago, I tried to start putting our videos, uh, putting a video of our audio track that we record every week on YouTube. Because YouTube allows you to put in hours worth of footage now. But the conversion times, just to make a, a, a small movie, was immense. Like, it was such a long process to actually put together a movie um, that only had one slide. It would have one slide with our fucking image on it. And it would take, you know, an hour to process, you know, an hour's worth of time as a movie. And I just, I just, I don't know enough about video compression to make it fast. So I, I just stopped doing it. Um, but we do, Tom, have some things planned for YouTube. Yeah, we're going to definitely try to put together some fun YouTube videos and uh, kind of commercials for the show. So if we can get the opportunity to get together physically and actually hammer this shit out, uh, we will let you guys know. So we got an, uh, an email, uh, and this is about the destroying of the pyramids. Um, and I do want to talk a little bit about that. We got an email from, uh, from Jerry and Jerry said that, uh, while the pyramids are a world world heritage site, so are the ancient buildings in Timbuktu, and so and already several of them have been destroyed. I guess I, you know, being a UNESCO heritage site does not protect you. It's protected, kind of, but not really, because obviously they can still go over there and fuck them up. Well, it turns out there's no UNESCO police. Yeah, <laughs> like the you can dial nine one UNESCO. Yeah, and uh, you don't get a quick response. You- um, that actually occurred to me last time we read the email. Like, well, they're already protected. Well, yeah. <laughs> they're not actually protected. You could dial 9-1 UNESCO and you wouldn't even get a pizza. 
Right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're protected in the sense that some people have said, please don't destroy yeah, they them. Would, that would suck if you destroyed these things. But, yeah. and this brings us back to, uh, I did, like, last week we talked about uh, the slaves not building them. And uh, somebody on the Skeptics Guide to the Universe forum, I think, sent us a message and said, hey, you know, and we basically said, oh, yeah, well, you know, you're nitpicking a little. But one of the, and, and one of the things that they did point out, and this was a salient point that I actually forgot to mention, was that um, the pyramids, I guess, were covered at one point with this sort of rock. It's like a whitish rock, and they were covered with it. Evidently, uh, Muslims already went and pilfered that rock to put on mosques, this person said. So um, they've already done something. This was, I guess, a long time ago. They've already physically altered the pyramids once. So what's to stop them again? So I want to thank them for pointing that out. And I forgot to point that out last week. Um, that's my bad. But yeah, it was a great point. And, uh, and I should have, I should have mentioned it, but I was a little miffed because everybody's like, well, they weren't built by slaves, man. We're built by slaves. <laughs> okay. I fucking get it. They weren't built by slaves. I'm sorry. The one tiny thing I said about slaves got brought in and people got to call me out on it. But I also want to mention, too, on uh, on the Skeptic Side of the Universe forum this week, Tom, somebody posted and said, wow, saying that all swingers are ugly is a pretty bad generalization. And uh, and they kind of railed on us about saying all swingers are ugly. I want to point out that in the episode, you point out, you, you know, you're, you're mad about us saying all swingers are ugly. But in the same episode, Tom says, them's raping hands. And nobody, <laughs> nobody fucking mentions that at all. Nobody says, oh, well, fucking them's raping hands. Like, that's not a fucking good thing to say. <laughs> we no. talked about fisting nuns on this show. And the one thing that somebody brings up is that we called swingers ugly. Right. I, I think that's very funny that all the things you could possibly object to, it's like, whoa, whoa, you're bagging on the physical appearance of swingers. Yeah. I will admit. So right now, for the record, I have done no studies of the facial symmetry <laughs> of swingers to determine that a majority percentage of self-identified swingers are unattractive. So, yeah, I, I will I will freely admit <laughs> that that statement was a joke. Yeah. Uh, it was a, uh, a comment made to elicit uh, a humor response. Clearly that failed. Yeah. <laughs> it was not meant to be a factual comment regarding the uh, physical attractiveness. I mean, come on. We say a lot of offensive things on this show. We say a lot of generalizations. Most of what we say is hyperbole, and what I just said isn't hyperbole. <laughs> so Brandy sends us an email, Tom, and says uh, – uh, and, and actually has a really interesting point here. Um, Brandy mentions uh, that that minorities, uh, based on this sort of uh, the scientific sociological definition, uh, is referenced to any group who are systematically prevented from full access to all aspects of society, prevented from getting mortgages, prevented from voting, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and the absolute number of the group is irrelevant. And I think that's a wonderful way to look at this. And I think that's how I've been looking at it, but I might have not have, but that's a great definition and a great thing to point out. Yeah, I think I, I, I appreciate the clarification. Thank you, Brandy. And I know that we've mentioned, um, you know, we've joked that women are not a minority because they are half the populace. Um, yeah, I, I think we're playing with the term there in order to make a point. Um, but definitely, I understand that the sociological definition refers to access to, you know, power, capital and resources. 
Yeah, and uh, and she makes reference to Mrs. Cognitive Dissonance. That's my uh, my lovely wife Sarah, who does some of the uh, the bumpers for the show. She's nice enough to take time out of her day, um, and you could tell she says in here, you know, she's sort of smarmy. Yeah, that's because I've asked her to walk six blocks in Chicago to come over here and record after work. <laughs> At least it's not a hundred fucking degrees every yeah. day. Yeah. Fucking why? Fucking Illinois. Come on. Fucking worst place to live <laughs> weather-wise ever. Um, okay, so we got a Tom. We got an email from Amber. We did, um, and uh, Amber sent us a very, very kind and um, uh, heartfelt email um, relating a personal story, which I, I'm not going to relay here. Um, Amber, I will tell you that I will have a Guinness uh, tonight, and I will have it. Uh, uh, with absolute respect, and thank you so much for the email. Yeah, I, I just echo Tom's sentiments. Thank you for the email, and uh, and our hearts go out to you. Paul sends an email. Uh, he's talking about uh, photoshopping Kim Jong Il's face on uh, on somebody with uh, actually Kim Jong Un because Kim Jong Il is dead. Although you could, I mean, there's plenty of pictures of him, and I'm sure they're all very reverent pictures. You could find some wonderful pictures of Kim Jong Il too, and Kim Il Sung. You could find just fucking a ton of different uh, Korean leaders and put their faces on cognitive dissonance if you wanted to uh, cognitive dissonance shirts if you wanted to Photoshop that for us, Paul. A great way to find a, a bunch of photos with people wearing. Uh, cognitive dissonance shirts is to go like our sh- uh, like our uh, show on Facebook, and then you'll be able to download those pictures directly from the cognitive dissonance page. So we got an email from Kevin. Kevin says he works for a company, the sister company of uh, of a company called JackPrints.com, and uh, they make shirts, some great shirts with some fucking wonderful logos. I'm going to read one here for you. At the back of this shirt says, um, and I quote: "I stab you in the fucking cunt while you still gurgle blood." Um, I think that's a. I think on the front there's two people hugging on that shirt. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's it's bunny yeah. rabbits and unicorns. Yeah. It's a bunny rabbit yeah. unicorn. It's like shirt. a My Little Pony shirt. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, so <laughs> so Kevin sent this wonderful shirts to us, but he said that their quality's great and we could we could probably use them. Uh, Kevin, what I want to say is what we're looking for is a company that not only makes the shirt but also sells them for us because we're very lazy and uh, we don't want to actually spend the time to put into making fucking shirts and then selling them and having to go send them out and all that jazz. So if that company does that, I'll look into them. But when I looked at their website, it really just looked like a place that I could order a shit ton of really nicely done, but shirts I'd have to sell from them. Yeah, we appreciate the help. Yeah, um, if you guys come across, what we're looking for is something like a, we're looking for a high quality cafe press is what we're looking for. Um, We're not looking for a place that can sell us shirts uh, that we would have to sell. We're looking for a place that can make the shirts on demand and then sell them. Yeah, I don't want to keep an inventory in my yeah, home. I'm not interested in the inventory situation. So uh, I'm going to leave you, though, first with uh, with our Skeptics Creed, but I want to play Andrew's disclaimer. Now, Andrew has a podcast called Godless Business, and you can find it at godless.biz, which is I think is fucking brilliant. Um Andrew's podcast is uh, is an atheist podcast, and uh, and you can find it uh, on the web. Um, the podcasters have left us some disclaimers, so we're leaving them. Remember that if you want to leave us a disclaimer, you can. Uh, all you have to do is send us an audio file in uh, via uh, email, and we'll if we like it, we'll play it. We really like Andrew's, and that's what we're going to leave you with as a disclaimer. But we want to say goodbye for now. We'll catch you guys next week. Credulity is not a virtue. It's fortune cookie cutter, mommy issue, hypno Babylon bullshit. 
couched in scientician double bubble toil and trouble pseudo quasi alternative acupunctuating pressurized stereogram pyramidal free energy healing water downward spiral brain dead pan sales pitch late night info docutainment Leo Pisces, cancer cures, detox, reflex, foot massage, death and towers, tarot cards, psychic healing, crystal balls, Bigfoot, Yeti, aliens, churches, mosques and synagogues, temples, dragons, giant worms, Atlantis, dolphins, truthers, birthers, witches, wizards, vaccine nuts, shaman healers, evangelists, conspiracy, doublespeak, stigmata, nonsense. Expose your signs. Thrust your hands, bloody, evidential, conclusive. Doubt even this. G'day, Bruce from Australia here. I was just wandering past and I noticed you're listening to Cecil and Tom from the Cognitive Dissonance podcast. I'd just like to point out that the views expressed by these two galahs are not necessarily those of their employers, families, friends or the local sheep shearing association. Apparently these two came out with this festering pile of rotting dingoes bollocks all by themselves. It's truth. It baffles me why anyone would listen to these two drongos anyway. Seems they've got a few kangaroos loose in the top paddock, if you know what I mean. I reckon they've been down the local watering hole drinking like lizards. Anyway, just thought I'd like to point that out. Now I've got to go see a man about a wallaby, and I might crack a tube, put a prawn on the barbie, and drop this ridiculous Australian stereotype. Cheers. Cheers.